Welcome. You're listening to the Bush Wanderlust podcast with hosts Ali Smith and Katie Watson. Buckle in as these two birds from the bush take you on a road trip. Around the Narrabri region in northwest New South Wales. Ali and Katie will introduce you to the lovable locals. Just call in and enjoy yourself. Cheers. Cheers. And explore all the magnificent wonders right here in Australia's backyard. They're just a fascinating animal, you know. Who would put a pink slug on top of a mountain? It's time to hit the road. Well, we are a nudist retreat. We cater for people who want to go a la natural. <laughs> Hello and welcome. My name is Ali and today the Bush Wanderlust podcast is off to gain a cheeky little insight into the running bear nudist retreat owned by our interview guests, Glennis and Laurie Godden. My multi-talented co-host Katie has just had her beautiful baby, so I'm on a solo adventure out to the Pilliga Scrub, where tourists stroll around Starkers, bushwalk in their birthday suits, and really seem to be living their best life without a stitch of clothing on. Amongst the wildflowers and the trees, there is a sign that clearly states, if nudity offends, please do not enter. But everyone here seems very friendly and am more than happy to stop for a chat. Despite the fact I'm a textile, that's a person who wears clothes. First up, I speak to Glennis, Alison and Scotty. Hi, I'm Glennis and I'm from Running Bear. Well, we are a nudist retreat. Today we've got at least 36 people, 40 people here at the moment. Um, a lot of those are people who live here permanently and semi-permanently uh, and the rest are just all visitors. We have a lot of walking tracks, so a lot of people are into bushwalking. And they're welcome to feel comfortable to do it all nude while they're here. Most definitely, you walk through the bush nude. You just come, book in, come in and just say, well, this is what we're all about. You were so welcoming. Thank you for having me out here today. Pleasure. And so running bare, you don't have to show up here with no clothes on to begin with, do you? No, no, definitely not. Phew. We have people, first comers, who've never tried it. And I say to them, put a sarong on or a t-shirt. They'll feel overdressed. And next thing, they're at the stage we're at. When I became a nudist... It was a weight lifted off the shoulders. You, you do feel free when you're in, in town amongst other people. People judge you. This lifestyle, people do not judge you. Okay, I'm Alison, and, uh, but most people here call me Ali. And I've lived at Running Bear for almost 12 years. Ali, why did you join the nudist movement? What was appealing for you? Um, well, originally my husband wanted to do it, which you'll find is most couples, not all, but most couples, it's the husband that wants to do it. And beaches is usually a place where most people start because they can be on the beach, but they don't have to be close to people. And that's where I first had my uh, nudist session and I didn't feel uncomfortable at all. Then when I went to a bigger beach over in Western Australia and there were so many different shapes and sizes and I thought, oh, you know, I was worried about coming to a news place because I thought, oh, all these women, it'll be, they'll be all sexy and looking really oh, good. Beautiful. Yeah. And then I seen that and I thought, it's just all shapes and sizes and ages. And I was comfortable being nude with my husband, but I had never been nude in front of anybody else. And, but once I started, well, yeah. There's no going back? 
never, no. I could not go back to living permanently textile. And there's no judgment, I guess, either, is there? No, no, there's no judgment. Yeah, I've seen some really, really big women, and I mean really big, and they're quite happy to be in the nude, and, and we're quite happy to be in the nude with them, and we don't judge them. You learn not to judge yourself. It's not only just judging other people, you don't judge yourself. Okay, everyone wants to be that little bit thinner or a little bit fatter or less wrinkled or whatever, but... You do learn not to judge yourself. You learn to accept yourself for what you are. And by accepting your body, you're also accepting um, how you think and feel. And I think it just makes you a better person. What would you say to somebody that's in that stage where they're thinking about going to a nudist retreat? Take it slowly. I think people should just Try taking the clothes off at home for a while. Just feel the breeze, cool breeze coming over your skin. Get used to walking around with nothing on. Um, look in the mirror and get used to seeing yourself with nothing on. And if you live near a nude beach, that is, to me, is the best introduction. What a journey. Thank you. Scotty to everybody. And um, we've been here 11, 11 years, coming down to 12, I think. Yeah, I just like it here. If I have to go to town and don't like it, Alice has to go shopping and everything, but I don't go. I'd sooner be here with no clothes on. You hate clothes that much. Well, I don't like them much. You don't really need them when it's 40 degrees. That's fair enough. Would you recommend the nudist lifestyle to people of all ages? Oh, I would, yeah, certainly. But just a different life, I guess. But a good one? Oh, yeah. Why is it good? It just is. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for your time. I hope you enjoyed it. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Running Bear founders Glenis and Laurie Godden are high school sweethearts and once their children grew up and left home, it was their new naked ambition that inspired them to create Running Bear with their family's support in this wildly beautiful location. There's certainly a trend at the retreat of retirees and empty nesters who are seeking a simpler life. Just before Katie had her baby boy, we sat down with the Goddens at the community radio station in Narrabri to uncover their path to going the full Monty, discuss how COVID has people craving this back-to-basics lifestyle, as well as chat about the mysteries and myths of the Pilliga Forest, including the Yowie, a debatable but legendary creature. Well, Glennis and Laurie, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Today, we're in the studio and you guys both have clothes on. Yes. You are more than welcome to come with no clothes on if you decided <laughs> you, the town allow us. <laughs> if you decided you wanted to. Let's start with what role does being a nudist play in your daily life? How often do you have your clothes on and how often do you have your clothes off? Well, it is our life. The, the nudity comes first. I've run several businesses in Narrabri because we, we needed an income to build, to build our place. We participate. We own the Mighty 10 store. My wife works there. We're in town probably, my wife's probably in town three, four times a three week times because she plays sport and works at Mighty 10. But I'd say that come come 4.30 at our happy hour and weekends always devoted to nudism. But we don't we don't drive into town with no clothes on. And when it's winter, we don't sit around we the fire around with no clothes, clothes on. We on. wear clothes. People say, what do you do in winter? What do you do? Yeah, we stay warm. You put clothes on, you stay warm. Yeah. One of the things that we don't, don't, you know, there's not very many idiots in the nudist movement because 
they've made up their mind that they're going to live in a minority world. So they're people that are intelligent enough to make a choice for themselves, unlike textiles who <laughs> have that choice made for them. You just said the word textile. Yeah. Tell me about textile people. Like. Textile is what the word that the nudist uses for the outside, outside people. <laughs> textile is the word we use for people who wear clothes, right? So if you if you're coming for the first time and and the the, the husband's a nudist but his wife is a textile, well then she gets to see what what it's all about. She gets two or three two or three visits, and hopefully she doesn't want to be a textile anymore. Hmm. So when she first arrives, she's allowed to be. Yeah, yeah they she, they yeah. generally they generally sure. wear a what do you call it? Sarong. Sarong. Yeah, Sarong or, or, or the guys are running something around. you feel comfortable yeah. in. Yeah. yeah, the guys are running around in a pair of shorts, and, and believe me, there's there's women who enjoy the nudist lifestyle more than men, but they they have no problem talking the men into it. Mm-hmm. I can believe that. I'm eight months pregnant, and I think it sounds lovely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> None of my clothes fit me at the moment, so I think that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, the women, the women especially more than the guys, the first thing that they say, oh, I'm not sure that I wanted to be a nudist because of self-image. But after they've met other people other that people. are nudists. Yeah. A lot of people think that there's a lot of, oh, what's the word, body beautifuls there. They're not. They're there's all shapes and sizes. People come in all shapes and sizes. Everything is so different. And once they realise that everyone is different, they're, they're happy. Yeah. I'm probably the only one out there that's got a perfect body. I'm just not six foot six tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your dreams. <laughs> Tell us about running Bear Nudist Retreat and when and how did you both decide life was better with your clothes off? Well, myself personally, um, I, I come from a family of half a dozen brothers and one sister, and I was always getting into trouble from the day I was born from running around with no clothes on. <laughs> I ran around with no clothes on probably till I was twelve years old, and then the restrictions become a lot a lot harder. And then I met Glennis at school when we were fifteen, and we've had three three children. And the nudity side sort of passed away. Glennis knew that I had an interest, and then once. Once the children had grown up and left the nest, I said to Glennis, I think we should go and try this. Uh, Glennis was a bit reluctant at first, so we, which, you know, we, there's always one person in the, in the family that, whether it be male or female, that is reluctant, the other person who is a bit stronger. We went, first of all, to um, a nudist place in Newcastle and uh, Glennis didn't like it. The, we were booked in for three days and the first day was looking pretty bad. She wasn't very happy. And then we met a really lovely couple on the second day and life changed. She was very happy once that she got a new acquaintances and was mixing with people and off we went. And then we decided with another couple that, that the nudist places that were available in New South Wales weren't really catering for the people outside of the city. So we decided we needed a regional caravaners camping nudist park. So we spent three years looking for the site. And as I said before, the main criteria was we wanted flat land with water and power. Narrabrite fitted the bill. And in 1996, we purchased it and started building it out near the Pilliger. The reason that we purchased that property was because it was halfway between Queensland and Victoria. We approached the Narrabri Council in 1995. 
told them of our intentions and what we wanted to do because uh, we'd approached them several other councils that weren't very happy with us doing it. But the Narrabri Council was by far the most helpful. And the Narrabri people have, have accepted the fact that they have a nudist community in their, in their region. Now it's the longest place that we have ever lived. Glennis, why we should go back, sorry, from what Laurie said, you weren't always convinced by the nudist movement. I was a very shy person. I, was a, I mean, I, I grew up with three brothers and two sisters, so we were a big family, but very inhibited, very, yeah, just, you know, you never displayed your body, you covered up and all the time and it just wasn't me. I was always a sporty person, go out and play my sport. But, yeah, it just wasn't me. It took me a while to, get, to talk me into it. And like I said, meeting this one, one really dear friends of ours, become really close friends, yeah, it was, that was a change. Hmm. That made you feel comfortable enough to say, yeah. I'm going to take my clothes off? Yeah, or? yeah. What made you feel good about it? Knowing that I wasn't different from anyone else, that we were all the same and, yeah, just made me feel comfortable because you don't know how how uncomfortable wearing something like this is and you know especially like especially playing bowls yesterday it was hot and stuffy then I had to leave there and go straight to work by the time I got home which was what, five o'clock in the afternoon I thought I just need to get all this gear off because it was just it was choking me restrictive yes mm. yes yeah it was just horrible yeah. Well, we've got to the stage now that we won't go anywhere on the weekend with textile people. No, no, very, yeah, very. If we go away anywhere, we go away. We we'll always go away with couples that are nudists. It's so, so much, so much easier. So much easier because I mean, if you if you're sharing accommodation, you don't feel, oh, okay, I've got to, I've got to make sure I come out of the bathroom with a oh, bath yeah. mat or you know, a towel around me or something like that. You feel free. You're not you're not worried about it. And we used to go do weekend trips, like there'd be four or five couples and yeah. all have your own unit, everything just meet and it was good. But it is, a lot less, it is a lot less hassle and there's less garbage if you're with four or five nudist couples. Yeah, virtually chokes you. And is there any going back now, now that you've taken your clothes off? No. You no. couldn't, you couldn't no. go back to a no. textile life? No, no definitely not. It's bad enough if you have to go away for weeks on end. I mean, that is so frustrating because... You've got everything on, you know, and you, you can't, when you're staying at, at relatives' places, you can't, you haven't got the freedom. And then when you get home, you just want to rip it all off because you just feel so claustrophobic. It's like a release. It is. It is a big relief, yeah. Yeah, we, we've often discussed whether we would sell money there and go back to the, go back to the city, Couldn't but it. it wouldn't happen. Couldn't, Couldn't happen. Do it. Once you've been a nudist... Not very many people go back. As a matter of fact, I was just trying to think then when Lennox was talking, if any of my friends who did give it up, and <laughs> I can't think of any one of them, and I probably know 2,000 nudists. Yeah, 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 that's amazing. I mean, the only ones that give it up are the ones who have passed away. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> have no serious, choice. They have no choice, yeah. You described lowering body image issues as a clothed person's problem. Mm. Surely your retreat is good for... It is great for body image because... The only time that the, the the women especially will be talking about is when they're going into town, you know, does their bum look a bit big in that dress or am I looking all right? But but once they've been nude, they've gone nude for more than two or three times, 
they're not worried about their bum. They're not worried about their the size of them. You know, we, we've got people, people from you know anything from six stone to twenty stone. You know, and, and they it's never discussed. The only time it's ever discussed is when I brought a pair of jeans the other day and they don't look good in them. Right? But yeah. they, no one says this is my body and I don't look good in it. Being nude, has that boosted your self-confidence? Has it made you feel more comfortable in your own skin, Glennis? I think so, yes. It takes me a while. Every year it takes me a while to adjust to it. I mean, we've got people out there now and they're all nude, naked. To me, I've got to wait to a certain time that I feel comfortable to say, okay, I start now. And after that, once I start, I'm fine. I can walk out every day with nothing on. But before that, no, I'll have, I'll have a T-shirt or something on. Yeah, it just takes me just, you know, I've been doing it for 24 years. Well, but, mostly it's the weather, though. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, I, I feel the cold. Can you describe a little bit about what's out at Running Bear, like where it's located for people who haven't been to Narrabri before to our region? Yeah, we're 20 k's out of Narrabri on the Newell Highway. We're three kilometres from the highway. We have heated swimming pool. Tennis courts, mini tennis courts, dart set up, club rooms, card rooms, movie room. But I would say that the most used facility for, for us now, which has changed in the last decade, is the bushwalking. Mm-hmm. Most of our people are over 50 years old in their caravanners that are travelling and they really love to go nude through the bush, see all the bird life, which has doubled this year because of the rain. Kangaroos, emus, they just love it. And they they spend a lot of money in Narrabri. You know, the average person that, or average couple that visit us, they'd spend five hundred dollars a week in Narrabri without a, without blinking. And they tour. They tour from our place. They'll go anything like Tamworth, two hundred k, Tamworth, Moree, down to Seal Rocks. The most we've had is thirty people living there full time. We've probably got twenty six to twenty eight that fluctuates. And we've had the heaviest week that we've had was 210 people for seven days. So you imagine trying to get 50 caravans wow. with air conditioning, 210 people out there with water and showering every day. That was in 2005. So it was a massive effort for 10 years to, to build it to the stage where that we could cater for 200 people. And they, they love going up onto uh, Mount Capita. They visit the bottle shop. Nearly every day, someone from our place is in the bottle That's shop true. in Narrabri. <laughs> because we have a happy hour that starts at 4.30. And you might think that, that we'd be quiet in winter, but it's not true. We have, a, we have a fire that starts about 1st of April and runs through to the end of September every night at 4.30. We get a group of people that sit around and we we don't discuss nudism. We discuss what everyone else is doing at, at a on. textile Just barbecue. Just that's all. We have what we call around the fire the truth fire, where everything that's said around is practically a lie. But it is very, very good for people to communicate. And all the activities that you mentioned, the bushwalking, Hmm. the darts, is that all done in the nude? Yes. When we originally started back in the middle, mid-96, we were heavily into tennis and mini tennis and we had joggers and and, uh, a lot of, you know, five and ten-kilometre bushwalks organised. Of course, now... We play darts and well, we've even slowed down on the darts. Slowed but now we play, darts. we play cards and drink and swim in the pool. So the lifestyle, our lifestyle, is actually changing. Most of the sport we do is in town, but everything, every every activity that we do, say August to the first of April, is all new. 
we have people out there that once inside the gate, they would be nude for 24 hours every day. Yeah, wow. What do you love about being nude? Is it, is it you know, a mental health the release? Yeah. Just the freedom. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing from my point of view, from the amount of people that we've had come, when you first meet a couple that haven't been there before, one of the couple is very, very, very shy and really takes the lead from whoever is the dominant party in that couple's relationship. But, as, but you go a couple of days, all of a sudden the woman or the man, man who's shy leaves our place and you'd think you'd swear that that person is the dominant one. Once they, once they take their clothes off and release all their stress and start talking at happy hour, the things that they tell you, they wouldn't have told a textile person in a million years. Yeah, it's like they've gained self-esteem and yeah. confidence. Yeah. And, and so many people in the nudist movement their families don't know they're nudist. Really? Yes. Mm. They just keep I, I am, it private. I understand it out how many people that are, and that's couples, that their families don't do not know that they're nudist. Yeah. Wow. And, and they'll come and, to our place for two or three months and stay there for two or three months, and they just say, no, they're in a caravan park at Narrabri. So you've got to bear in mind that the average age of our, our people is now over 50, and it's probably every year it gets closer to 60. And so it's a big thing for for them to raise raise children, and they don't know that they're a nurse, but and and to travel. So it's a big thing in their life. And a lot of people, I, I would say, we we didn't know this before we started running bear, but a lot of people don't go nude until they're well over fifty. Mm. We had one couple that were eighty one and eighty two, yes, and they yeah. come out to our place, and the lady got out of the her little van, you know, just asked what 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 should I do? Do I have to take my clothes off right now? As that she arrived, and I said, "How old are you?" She said, "81." I said, well, "You've never been to a nursery? No. Have you ever been nude before? Not in front of people." <laughs> so it's That's amazing. They were 81 and 82 years old. I couldn't believe it. Why do you think it is? Why do people, when they get older, like to be nude? I oh, yeah. Well, I think it's it's not that they get older and like to be nude. It's that when they were younger, they didn't do it. They've always wanted it. No, I, I I don't believe that anybody just turns 80 and says. I'm ready to go. But I think that the main thing is that the caravan industry has grown so much and the ability to travel, except for coronavirus, the ability for them to travel from state to state has never been hindered before. And the, and the amount of people that work till they're 60 years old and then decide they're going to get a caravan and take off and see things, and then all of a sudden they're seeing in the tourist magazines nudist sites. You know, and obviously there's husband and wife sitting together driving long distances. So well, we might try that nudist site, and the lady might say, "No, I don't think so." And then they drive over the next day, and the lady might say, "Well, let's think about that nudist site." Next thing you know, that they're visiting one. But I think it's more the, the retirement, the fact that when they get to sixty, that they're looking for new things to do. With people like the eighty-one-year-old woman, mm-hmm. what made that eighty-one-year-old come to a nudist retreat, and what was the feedback that she gave you after the experience? Yeah, well. Both those people were in a married situation with someone else uh, and, their, and their partners died. And these people got together at 80 and they, they were having a discussion about what they would have done back when they were 40, 50 years old that they regretted not doing. And surprisingly, they both wrote down, visit a nudist place. So they, they lived their whole life with their first partners and didn't try it. So it's great. That is great. Yeah. When they got together, they said, well, it's on our list. So 
they came out. It's like a bucket list, isn't it? A bucket yeah. list, yeah. 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 I'm sure it's on a lot of people's I bucket so. lists. That's why so. the yeah. attraction to probably yeah. retirees and exactly. Yeah. I can tell you that there's probably in Narrabri alone is probably two hundred people walk around their own house with no clothes on. Yeah. But they don't go to the, the social. They, they won't go because they're afraid that they'll run into people. They'll know. run into someone that knows them. If they're, I mean, if they're at our place for the same reason, they're not going to say, oh, "I saw, I saw Joe Blow there." Well, how do you know unless you were there? You know. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. We've had a couple from Canada that come every year. Yeah. And one time, the neighbours of them in Canada were at our place at the same time as they come, and he drove up to. Oh, wow. I know that guy, and it was the only the three houses from. From them in Canada. And they come over every year. Every year. Every so. year for three months in Australia and spend two weeks at our place every yeah. year. We've probably got 20 couples that are international couples that come every mm. year. In terms of the health benefits, Lenis, what feedback do you get from people in terms of how they feel after their stay? I think it's just the sun on their body more than anything. I mean, everyone is so... What's the word? Um, Crystal white. Yeah, lethargic <laughs> and they've just got no energy. Yeah. I mean, you do need sun on your a certain amount of sun on your body to rejuvenate you, and it, it does. It makes you feel a lot better. You can get five couples in the swimming pool at two o'clock in the afternoon, and they'll say, "Geez, if we were home, we'd be just sitting watching TV." It's amazing um, how many people go to the swimming pool. I mean, they'll start at ten o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. They're there till one o'clock, have a bit of lunch, and they're there until about four o'clock. They mm-hmm. spend their entire time out in the sun. So is their bushwalk. As well, yeah, but that's what they do because they just enjoy the sun so yeah. much. But but everybody says that to try nudism for the first time. We have had lots of people come there and say, I said, well, what made you try nudism? I've got been in with a doctor and I've got something wrong with me. The doctor says that I need to do exercise or I'm going to die. And they're pretty depressing, really, for the first couple mm. of days. It's a, it's a talk about illnesses. But after they've been there a week, the whole thing changes. And when they come back the second time and the third time, they've dropped all of that negativity about their health. Yeah, it's more but a positive. The people sitting attitude. in a group, a group of 20, 30 people around a fire, telling jokes, telling their stories, where they come from, what they've done, telling their life, their life story. Just to sit there and tell another couple your life story, you know, how we met, what we're doing here today, relaxes people. And their mental health improves immensely. If you're game enough to make the first step, and you are a nudist, and you go out and you mix socially with other nudists, I can assure you your lifestyle will improve 50%. There have been many societal trends, I guess, of people looking at getting back to basics. It doesn't get much barer than being at a nudist retreat. Have you noticed an increase of visitation for people trying to get that release or helping their mental health? Right at this minute, these three guys out at Running Bear working on what we call a bush camping site. These sites that are on the 720 acres that are away from our 10 acres that is developed. And the last six months, there's been a lot of phone calls with couples with children which want to go out in the bush with their children and have barbecues and no TV and no phones and have hot showers. And we're, we're, we're just at this moment today building probably four or five sites. And they're, they're sites where people with little campers and a couple of kids can it doesn't matter whether one of them's a nudist and the kids are not nudist, right? As long as one of them is a nudist, they come and it's only three nights for $45 and we give them a camping site and water and that's virtually it. They look after themselves out there. And the inquiry 10 years ago was nil for that. 
but just the last two years, and especially since coronavirus, we've had more and more phone calls. We've also had more and more phone calls in the like since coronavirus of people that don't want to go to happy hours, you know, which is a which is a strange thing for us because we've always gone to happy hours. But there are a <laughs> lot of people. There's not a lot of people coming at the moment that want that, but there are a lot of phone calls at the moment suggesting that this year, this summer, that we will be inundated with with people with children that want to want to camp in the bush, people from the city. There are a lot of nudist groups that have the called non-landed groups. So they might be half a dozen couples that are, live in, say, Dubbo, and they don't have any grounds, but they travel together to other nudist places that have grounds. And there's a lot of those like to go and set a ring of caravans out into the bush and be with their friends there rather than be with the 50 people that are up swimming in the pool and playing sport and having happy hour. So it changes all the time. Back in the in the early days, we used to have probably four or five of the Australian volleyball team that was nudist. And volleyball was mm-hmm. played volleyball was played state against state at nudist places for twenty years. Wow. Um, and you it's imagine how hard big. it would have, how hard it would have been in the fifties to go to a forest with a ring of caravans and everybody starts a fire and gets their gear off. It would have been would have been very daunting for those early early people, <laughs> but. It was really started, the nudist movement in Australia was really started by Dutch and German people that immigrated to Australia. It wasn't really an Australian thing. But in the, in the 60s and 70s, Australia really, Australians really got into it. And now it's a bit of a taper, a bit of a taper off now. And everybody thinks it's because of the mobile phones and computer games. And, but if you look around, I mean, that's just my grandkids. They're not nudists. My children aren't nudists either. But they're just, so busy. Like the three of our grandkids have had a couple of trips overseas already and they're only in their 20s, mm. early 20s, and they've been overseas. Like when I was 20, I wouldn't have ever thought about going to China. I'd rather go to Australia. But oh, we were married and had kids. <laughs> but every, every, everything's changing and the nudist movement is changing as well. Tell me about the nudist movement. Well, the nudist movement, which I've been involved in for a long time, we were in the ANF, which is the Australian Nudist Federation, we're not in it anymore, but that's a political decision. But the nudist movement has an INF, which is the International Nudist Fund. 90% of the nudist places in Australia are part of the Australian Nudist Federation, and they have passports for, for nudism, which allows a person who's a member of a group in Sydney to visit our place or any other, any other place that's in Australia. But if Glenys and I wanted to go to France and go to a nudist place in France, we would take our Australian Nudist Federation passport, which would get us in under any restrictions. Now, of course, Running Bear is not in the ANF anymore because everybody's invited to our place. But a lot of the clubs do have restrictions, which you need the passport to get there. But because we're open and people can people can ring us 10 o'clock and say, look, we're going to arrive at your place at 10.30, Oh, most of the people that come don't even ring us anymore. They just turn up. We've always got room. There's always something happening. The thing is you don't need, when you come to our place, you don't need to have a caravan. We do have accommodation. We have ensuite cabins with their own cooking and showering and we have community cabins that that you use the clubhouse, kitchen in the clubhouse with outback kitchens. So all you need need to do is get there. Like when when people ring us on the phone, so what we need to bring, we just say, Italian food and drink. Yeah. That's all they need to come. At Running Bear, you welcome first-time nudists yes. as well as long-term uh, nudists. Yes. 
so I guess everybody is welcome. But for first-time nudists, are there rules, are there sort of standards or common courtesies that people need to apply to or be aware of when they come? Well, there, there, is, a, there is a basic rule that you have to respect the neighbour beside you. But there isn't, we don't put any pressure on people or children to, to go nude. I mean, if the couple come and their kids are going to swim in the pool, but they're not, they're, they're still wearing bathers, I mean, it's just not a problem. You know, if the, if the, uh, one of the couples wants to wear clothes, but once they've actually, if they come out at three times, say, and they don't want to be nude, then it's really, they shouldn't be there. Yeah. So, and they know that. They know that. So yeah. if they're not, if they're not comfortable, but there isn't any any pressure from any people at running beer. Once they try it, if they're happy, they come back. We don't knock on doors and tell people nudist lifestyle is the greatest thing ever and you should be coming. They come and if they like it, they come back. If My saying is common sense. Common sense rules. Yes. Hmm. If you haven't got the common sense, don't come. Yeah. Running Bear is a great name. Can you tell me mm-hmm. about that name? I picked it <laughs> <laughs> because I love the song Running Bear. Oh, yeah. oh, I love that song too. Yeah. But that's our theme song and I just, her property name was named Tangara and I said, well, that's not appropriate for her property. And then I thought, what about Running Bear? B-A-R-E, ideal. Perfect. You've created your own little slice of paradise out yeah. there. Describe yes. it for me. Heavenly. <laughs> Heavenly. About the only restrictions we've got is the speed limit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lots of open spaces, lots of trees, lots of animals. The only one I'm really scared of is the snakes. We have, do have quite a few snakes. <laughs> Don't see them that often, really. Just see no. the tracks. We have about 10 acres that's developed yeah. and clear. There's probably seen one snake there in 20 years, but out in the bush there, there are snakes. No. no one's ever been bitten. Um, they could go. They could walk every day for a month and not see a snake. What about a couple the of months ago, the camels. There's a property as we drive in. They had two camels. They've escaped and come onto our property. So nudists walking around. No, nudists walking around with two of these two big gigantic ugly no, they camels. Are, they <laughs> they are are ugly. There was a lot of pictures taken. There was so, a lot of pictures. Yeah. The wonders of the pilgrim. It is. Yes. <laughs> yes. We do get people that want to know where the yowie lives. Um, we have a map for him. But we don't we don't give it to everybody because we don't want him to get domesticated. Yeah, we tell tell people there's drop bears and the, oh, the drop bears, the drop yeah. bears and mm-hmm. the pilgrim princess. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you about the mystery and myths and legends of well, the pilgrim. Yeah, well, they say there is. Yeah, I believe it. There's a lot of truck drivers that will not park on the side of the road, you know, on that main road. Forget about, the, forget about the truck drivers. There's a lot of people with caravans. The caravans, yeah. <laughs> they, they get to Coonabarra and they won't stop they between won't, us yeah, and Coonabarra. Yeah, they won't stop in the, in the, in the pillager there. And tell us why. Because they've all heard the Yowie yeah, and the Pilliger Princess the story. Yeah, the Princess and drop bears. They believe yeah. the story about drop bears and they do believe it. Yeah, I think there's some very good camping spots on the, in between Coonabarra and the pillager, right? And I don't think anybody, I don't know of anyone, we've been here over 22 years and I don't know of anybody that's ever been attacked in one of those cameras. No, they haven't, no. no but if you ask the travellers, they all know they've heard a story where somebody was attacked. Yeah. A yes. friend of a friend. A friend of a friend. <laughs> a friend. Yeah. They don't know who it is, but. <laughs> do we you know. get many inquiries about the Yowie? We do. A lot of people ask us how far that they have to travel to meet the Yowie, but we tell them that he's only out between 1 o'clock in the morning and 2 o'clock in the morning because he sleeps during the day. And they say, oh, well, we'll go, we'll go and see him, but not very many people over 50-year-old or up at between one and two. <laughs> so we can tell them any story we like. We've walked the Pilliga 
for 22 years and we've never seen anybody seven foot or taller. But it's one of those, it's one of their myths. I mean, if you ask people that have never been to Narrabri before, because of the song, there's a couple of songs out there about the Narrabri princess and the Yowie, but people that have never, people from top end of Queensland come for the first time and say, where is the Yowie? You know, and, and I believe half of them really expect really to tell Yeah. I think it's just more the noises that come from the Pilliga. And the Pilliga princess. The, the, the story with the Pilliga princess was that everyone who camped in the caravan come out and everybody who stopped in one of those camps was robbed by an old haggy lady. <laughs> but we've never seen her. No, we've never seen her. Have you ever seen the Yowie? You, well, we've got a couple of people at our place I think are related to him, but <laughs> I haven't actually seen a real Yowie. Yeah, someone pretty hairy. You people, out, you people out at Running Bear know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Running Bear's been going since the 90s, 1990s, 96. It's obviously a wonderful success story and very popular. But aside from the retreat, what are some of the other attractions that people like to see or that you would suggest people to check out when they are visiting the Pilliga Forest? Well, like I said, they all do the boars. They all do Mount Caputa. Yes. They can all go to Sawn Rocks. Yeah. They go to Kuna sure. for the, the pottery. The pottery. The, the pottery. Pilliga pottery. Pilliga pottery. Yeah, Pilliga pottery. And the caves or something. The, the, the sandstone caves. caves and the salt caves. Yeah. The majority of them do, you know, like I said, they come and park, set up, yeah, and then day. do day trips. Explore. Yeah, yeah explore the, the whole area because there's so much for them to see. But the, the, the boars would be the biggest. The boars are the biggest. The Billy and Burrow Junction boar would be number one because they'll, they'll take their caravan out there and stay overnight. Mm. Is there anything else before we go to our final segment that you'd like to add about running bear or? Well, like like everything, is I actually two couples just left this, this morning going further north and... I just say to them, you know, without those people coming, we wouldn't be there. I mean, obviously, if Glenys and I were living on 720 acres by ourselves as nudists, right, it's not the same as going out the front door and having 100 people there that have got no clothes on. And we need, we need people. I mean, the whole nudist movement in Australia needs people. I mean, we're normal people who don't wear clothes. I mean, you can be a fisherman, but you don't fish every day. Mm. You don't get to the river and jump out and take the, your fishing gear out. So it's just a, you just got to remember that all we do differently than you is We're the same when as we, else. we don't wear clothes. If we can possibly get away with not wearing clothes, then that's what we do. That's all, everything else is the same. We go to the shop, we go to the pub, we go out to tea, we buy groceries, we cook food. I mean, you know, but and everyone lives in their own homes. That's when we first started here. They all thought we lived uh, together under one, like a like a commune. Mm. So we end up after a few years, we end up having because Laurie was working at Mitre Ten then before Laurie just used to work for her, and I was working in childcare. And so he thought, well, in the winter months, let's have invited guests. And I was doing my line dance, so we invited all my line dancing ladies, all these other people out for a big barbecue. We had live entertainment to show them. We lived in our own houses. Yeah. We had over two hundred people from yeah, our and, and they out. loved it. Just to just, yeah. to, just see to see that we how are, how we lived. That, that we're not in each other's pockets. And yeah. Every Friday night we have a little cookout, and most of the people will be there on that Friday night. But sometimes, even though they live hundred meters away, we don't see them from just, Friday to Friday. Yeah, sometimes you don't see them. They've exactly. got things that yes. they do. You yeah. don't live out of each other's pockets. Yeah, you just don't. We just share the common ground of being there. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's not a commune. No. No. no far from it. No, definitely not. even not. close. No. I mean, that's why we, I like the word retreat because I think it just sounds yeah. more sophisticated and... Actually, just, retreat has come a better, become a better word as we've all got older. Yeah, I think so. Because it yeah. is a retreat. Yeah, it's just a social lifestyle. Laura, you were talking about after the rain, the bird life, at the retreat. Mm. What can people describe the sounds of nature and it really is a back-to-nature Yeah, experience. well, we, we have actually 20 from 3 kilometres up to 10 kilometre bushwalks. We have seven dams. All those dams now have water in them during a the drought. None of them had water in them. Obviously, um, as you've got the green grass along the walking track and I the bird life to, have come back. I think we're up to under 100 different species of bird yes, life out there got that's a been sighted. We've got a lady that's documented all the yeah. birds that she sighted out there. So it was over 100, yeah. yeah. And it's amazing, you know, everybody thinks, overseas people all think about the kangaroo and the emu, but the number of Australians that come from Sydney that have never seen a kangaroo, never seen a kangaroo or an emu, you would not believe how many that, that number is. It's just huge. You get used to it if you're living in the country. You see a kangaroo or eat your car or something. But even the other day we had a wombat out there, which is not supposed to be here, but we've got echidnas out there. You know, there's just the goannas. There's just a range of wildlife. And to somebody that hasn't seen an echidna before, we've even had couples go over to Inverell just to see the platypus. Because right, most Australians haven't seen a platypus either. So a lot of people, overseas people especially, if they come to me and they say to me, we want to, we want to see something outside of Inverell that we haven't seen before, outside of Narrabri that they haven't seen before, I tell them, go to Inverell. You, you see a platypus, it's nothing like what you think it is. Mm, you've got but, everything. But we also have fantastic things. I mean, people spend a month in our place and travel, you know, 20 days out of the month to a destination somewhere within 200 k's. If somebody if somebody was is interested in the country, you don't need a four wheel drive. You can drive around in a two wheel drive, no caravan, just a two wheel drive, and drive around the tracks like out to Barradine, out to Pilliga itself. Pilliga itself is an amazing little town. The way that the streets are, are all in squares and and the houses out there that are hundred years old. You know, there's a couple of days just driving around looking at the sights in the Pilliga in a two wheel drive car. You don't need anything else. And some of the things they come back and tell me they've seen I've never seen myself. Like the Yowie. Like, well, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen the uh, I just never shook hands with him. He never introduced himself to me, but I, I think I've seen him. extremely under the weather. <laughs> In our final segment, we're asking each guest to send a postcard from the Narrabri region. What photo would you put on the front of that postcard and what little hidden gem would you write? There is a postcard out that I've seen that has just a picture of maybe half a dozen people, just nude bums. That's all you can see, just nude bums. And what would you put on it? Wandering bears. Wandering bears, maybe, yeah. Wandering bums. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm not a naked person, but you've almost inspired me, I think. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for telling your story. Thank you. It's wonderful. Okay. And thank you for tuning in to the Bush Wanderlust podcast. We can't wait to welcome you to the Narrabri region soon. And a big shout out to our sponsor, the Narrabri Region Visitor Information Centre. The team there has a treasure trove of knowledge about all things Narrabri, from the pink slug to the Yowie and more. So call in or head over to www.visitnarrabri.com.au 
or follow the Narrabri Region or Bush Wanderlust podcast on social media. Stay tuned for more interviews and if you enjoyed listening, please hit subscribe, leave a comment or share with a friend. Hope to catch you next time.